Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was, to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. This is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. So today, tonight, we're going to talk about one thing that I probably should have talked about a long time ago, and that is about caprylic acid triglyceride, otherwise known as C8, otherwise known as a very as the ketogenic MCT oil. So I'm going to go into MCTs a little bit. I'm going to talk about C8. And in some ways, for those who, of you who know that we have a product of uh, caprylic acid triglyceride, this, this could come across as a blatant ad, but no, it's not a blatant ad. Hopefully it's a candid revelation of how uh, important and uh, very useful this particular oil can be, or fat. So time to get going on this. So... Yes, our product is called C8 Keto MCT Oil. Generically, it's basically caprylic acid triglyceride, which is three fats of caprylic acid tied together in a glycerol backbone. So it's like a big letter E attached with an oxygen called an ester bond. So you get this comb, in essence, of three identical fats. By the way, you uh, triglycerides are the natural way for fats to kind of float around. We eat triglycerides or eating the fat in a steak or eating the fat in the fish is triglycerides. Usually they're mixed up. There are three different fats that are combined. So you never see a perfectly lined up, you know, all three fats are the same on a triglyceride because you shouldn't say never. I just don't know of other situations. So this was a fat that was extracted from palm kernel oil. So not from the palm trees, but from the fruit of the palm oil, palm kernels. And um, having been in Costa Rica less than a year ago, I got to visit some uh, sustainable palm oil farms and to actually get to know the plant and see the fruits. These uh, They're actually really pretty interesting. But this is going to be less about the whole sustainability of uh, palm oil, which this is. So this is the only product. Ours is the only product out there on the market of C8 that is support sustainably harvested palm oil. All the palm oil products, sorry, all the C8 products that you see on the market, let's say Amazon, are 99% from palm oil. They don't admit it. They'll say they're from coconut oil, 
And here's where I want to start with is that I like to educate consumers because we've invested a lot, not on not only in educating consumers, but in educating ourselves why we're why we selected the oils that we did and all the trouble we went to to get these particular oils. So this is pretty much why I want you to know about this is that when you buy a product, you should be able to ask that product, what is this made of? And the obvious question after that would be, can you verify that it is from, and they'll probably say coconut. So as a C8 caprylic acid triglyceride product, if they say it is from coconut, then they should be able to verify it. And also if they say, oh, it's a high percentage or it's the highest percentage of C8 caprylic acid triglyceride, they should be able to have a certificate of analysis for you to see. In fact, legally, they have to have these two things available to you. Otherwise, you can call anything anything. If you have no verification of what you're talking about, then catch as catch can and you can lie about whatever. I'm not going to go down that road, but I'm just saying from the consumer, you have the right. And as a producer, they are legally responsible to offer you a verification of what the product was. So C8 caprylic acid triglyceride. I want to back up and talk about MCTs because that's the bigger, it's kind of a confusing middle word when we talk about C8 keto MCT oil. You know, why are those words there and what does MCT mean? And we, we see MCT in the grocery store and in health food stores and obviously they're related. So MCT does mean medium chain triglycerides. So medium chain triglycerides, triglycerides now you know are just three fats tied together on a glycerol backbone. So that's a triglyceride, it's no big secret, right? So MCTs are medium chain triglycerides, and these are all what they call saturated fats. And they are only different in the length of their chain. So technically, you can have a six carbon chain called cap- capric acid. Six, so C6, we're going to call it. <clears throat> Nobody really calls it by their, by their grown-up names. <laughs> they just call it C6, C8, C10, C12. So C6, uh, saturated fat. You can get it from a number of, you can get it from palm oil, you can get it from coconut oil, and you can get it from soy oil, the most efficient plant. And I remind people who have listened to me before, we did a whole interview with RSPO, Roundtable on Sustainable Harvesting, and you know why why is there this concept of responsible, sustainably harvested growth? Because it's decimating Southeast Asia and other parts of the world as well, because it's such an efficient plant. So if soy was more efficient, it would be ruining parts of the world, which actually it is, meaning it's it's taken over a good part of the Amazon, but soy is not efficient at all. It's uh, maybe five or 10%, I don't even think that much, of the efficiency of of producing a variety number of oils. Same with coconut. So coconut, we all know about coconut oil. We know what a coconut is. We can buy it in the grocery store and we have for a long time. So that's not unusual to us. Um, But when you squeeze all that, we can get coconut oil as well. So in the coconut oil, there's other oils. Okay. But the most efficient plant is the palm oil and it has to be a specific palm. And the relationship between palm and coconut actually is pretty close. They're both technically a palm tree, but um, the palm kernel 
palm is different. And so anyway, so you have the efficiency down. So that's why it's become so popular. In Southeast Asia, the plant was actually imported oh, a couple hundred years ago from North Africa, which actually grows natively. And farms upon farms have taken, taken over. Having lived in Indonesia for a few years, uh, I saw raw palm kernel oil, which is kind of a dark red oil, kind of like a dark red yeast. Uh, it's used uh, similar to olive oil is in the West. And they would use it for cooking and as ingredients in their food. So the C8 triglyceride is a refined part. <clears throat> so it's a fat that's being taken out of the oil that is squeezed from the palm kernel. Okay, so it's a refinement of the overall palm oil, just like it would be a f refinement of the coconut oil or the soybean oil or whatever. So that's what's, where C8 came from, and that's what it is. So back to the MCT oils, you have C6, C6, C8, C10, C12. So C6 is really not a useful, in terms of human consumption, is really not a useful fatty acid. And that's what we call these things, fatty acids. Uh, it tends to be very sensitive to the gut. You know, you burn, it basically burns your throat and burns your, so it's called gastric irritant. So nobody buys C6. And however, in the real real world, you your body actually makes some of these medium chain triglycerides all by itself. And they do that through some of the bacteria in your large intestine primarily. And they, the, the way the story goes, and by the way, the story is changing. The way the story went before is that oh, you needed fiber because the fiber was important to create short chain fatty acids. And the short chain fatty acids were C4, C6, C8, C10, etc., well, now they find that, you know, yes, that's partly true, that it needs fiber to produce these short chain fatty acids. And we're, when we're thinking of the colon, we're thinking of butyrate in particular. That's the big anti-inflammatory. Butyrate is the preferred fuel for all of the uh, large intestine, meaning it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't live on glucose, it lives on butyrate. So that's how important butyrate is for the large intestine. So... Fiber, yes, is important, but it doesn't seem to be as important as we all grew up thinking it was. Certainly when I was in medical school, fiber was, oh, I needed fiber. Well, I have very little fiber in my diet other than the meat and the fish and the protein that I eat, and I'm doing just fine. So C6 is available. It's a saturated fat. Very few people use it. It's part of what they call MCT. When you go buy a jug of MCT oil at the grocery store, you may well see it has a percentage of C6 in the mix of the MCT oil. They vary, so the mix is not a standard mix, but it's a little bit, usually 1% or 2%. Then you move on up to C8. And so C8, when I say a saturated fat, picture a monofilament fishing line and call them inches. You have a six inch one and an eight inch one and a 10 inch one and a 12 inch one. Yes, they're even numbers. And that's all we're going to talk about, even though in reality out there someplace, but not easily accessible commercially are odd number saturated fats. So I'm not going to talk about those. So now we're up to C8. It's a, we'll call it an eight inch. Simply means there's eight carbons. There's no double bonds. So caprylic acid, triglyceride, the whole word is that when you take this oil 
you'll find first it's pretty much tasteless. And second, it's almost like thick water. That's what you're going to feel. It's thick water. And second, when you put it on your food, whether it's meat or fish or whatever else you want to put it on your food, we make uh, carbless pancakes, which are actually made out of mayo and a few other things. And we put it on our uh, pancakes as well. And it, this is my impression. I'm not the first to say this, but it makes everything taste better. So it is very subjective, but it's been said by a lot of people, and that's pretty neat. Some people put it on their sushi, and they go, that's amazing. More so than olive oil and anything else. It just enhances the taste of things. So one of the things some people actually call uh, C8, you know, the secret fat that makes you thin. And so why would they say that? The secret fat that makes you thin. Sounds like a short story topic. Well, the reason they call it the secret fat that makes you thin is because C8 is the most efficient fat, bar none, to, for one, be part of real food. It's a real a real food that you can eat. You put it, you never drink it straight. You put it on your food. You know, use it as a condiment. You don't drink olive oil straight. You don't drink avocado oil straight. You don't drink your vinegar straight um, in large amounts. So you put it on your food or you put it in your coffee. But it converts, so goes down your stomach, your small intestine, and your in your small intestine, it gets absorbed into your blood and goes directly to the liver. And so, within fifteen minutes, you can measure ketones by blood. And so, what that means is, when you're measuring a blood ketone, you're measuring what they call BHP, beta hydroxybutyrate. And that's a part of the picture. The reality is that the C8 gets absorbed in the blood, goes to the liver, gets converted into three different kinds of ketones. It gets converted into BHP, which is what you measure in your blood. It gets converted into acetone, which usually gets filtered out by your liver, and then some of it is off-gassed through your lungs. And the third is acetoacetate. Now, all three of these have health benefits, but they don't stay in one spot for very long. They don't stay in one form for very long. So the BHP is the one in blood by default we measure. When you measure ketones by urine, you're measuring acetoacetate that goes out with your urine. And so that's so it's a whole different ketone that you're measuring. And speaking of that, even though we've mentioned it a lot in various podcasts and it's pretty much common knowledge, for those who are just starting out and thinking they can measure their ketones by urine alone, it really doesn't tell you that much. I wouldn't even buy your uh, urine strips for that because one is, well, you're looking at for ter- to turn purple to simply say, yes, there's some ketones, acetoacetate in your urine. Good for you. You know, you're now starting a ketogenic diet, so it's kind of exciting to see that. But it's, the concentration is almost irrelevant given the volume of urine and so on and so forth. That color will vary. And also in the course of three or four weeks, as you get more and more into ketosis, your kidneys will learn how to filter out the acetoacetate. So it will shut off the acetoacetate. It will keep it in your blood, which is a good thing. So I wouldn't bet the house on your urine strips for keto. I would use blood. I would step up and get a ketometer. I would suggest getting a keto mojo because you can measure both glucose in ketones. And actually, long-term, you'll probably be measuring a lot more about glucose than you will about ketones. 
But anyway, so that's the BHP is in your blood. That's what you're measuring with your catometer. And when you take C8 about 15 minutes after taking your C8, you can measure this. That's pretty impressive. And it stays for about three hours. Some people report even up to five hours. And you go, well, why, why doesn't this happen with C6 or C10 or C12? Why doesn't it happen with anything else? Well, it has to do with that it's a perfect size saturated fat. It's an eight carbon saturated fat. And a ketone are four carbons. And so it's obviously a multiple of two times four. So it's it's easy to chop it up and get it out, so to say. But that's half the story. The other is as fatty acids get longer, meaning as they go from C6 to C8 to C10, C12, they goes way up to 14. The MCTs stop at C12, by the way. Once you get beyond that, it's called long-chain fatty acids. But still, it's just one long monofilament line, so to say. If C14 is 14 carbons, C16 is 16 carbons, and it goes way up into the 20s. So they get long. So those longer, certainly the long-chain fatty acids, but even the longer medium-chain fatty acids, C12 and C10, they don't go get absorbed into the blood and go off to the liver to make ketones. They have to take a very circuitous path. They get wrapped up in a thing called a chylomicron, which is kind of a fat bolus that then actually goes into your lymph system. And your lymph system is not your blood system, by the way. It takes two to four hours for it to eventually circulate through your whole body, and it does connect to your blood up around the area of your heart in a place called the azagos. How's that for a fancy word? Anyways, it comes into your blood. So it takes a long time. So if you were just sort of taking C10 and hoping it would be ketogenic, that is to be able to make ketones, you'd be partially right. But for one, it would take two to four hours for that to happen. And for another, it's not very efficient. You would have a very low number to see at all. And I've never tested that, never been interested to test that. But that's why C8 is considered the ketogenic MCT oil. You know, they don't consider C10 to be ketogenic. They certainly don't consider C12 to be ketogenic. And C6 is not ketogenic. Okay, so you got that out of the way. But I want to etch in your mind that C8, so C8 keto MCT oil, our product in particular, is the secret fat that makes you thin. So why is it the secret fat? Well, it's a secret fat in the sense that it's kind of a paradox in the sense, why would you take fat to get thin? That really speaks to the ketogenic diet, right? It's a high fat, low carb diet, and that it helps you lose weight. People scratch their head if they've never heard that before. I've heard it for about the last 20 years um, and implemented it only in the last six, but it has to do with as you're taking a fat, specifically C8, when you make your ketones, this is where the whole ketogenic part comes in. When you make your ketones, it decreases your appetite. It's part of the function of, of having ketones, beta hydroxy, all three ketones. I was about to say beta hydroxybutyrate only, but all three ketones, BHB, it's just easier to measure than the other two. So now you have a decreased appetite. And the other thing about this particular fat, C8, triglyceride, C8 keto, 
MCT oil, is that it's basically a fuel-only fat. In other words, if you had, I don't know how you can have a lot of C8. You know, there's only so much you can have, really, and you don't want any more. You, you know, we make a mayo with C8 in it, and sometimes I add in our mayonnaise more C8, so it's pretty ketogenic. But there's a point that there's only so much fat you can take. But what's interesting is that you put fat, let's say, on your meat or next to your meat or your chicken or whatever, it really fills you up much more quickly. So when you have your protein and you add your fat, you'll find out that you eat less. You get full sooner. And also, as I say, the, the ketogenic part is that your, if you want to get into it, your leptin levels are lower. So your appetite is lower. So by having a, some people consider it a, a appetite, it controls your appetite. Well, it does. And by having a lesser appetite, you eat less. And so therefore you burn off more calories. So that's one way it helps with weight loss, by the way. It helps to control, other people might say suppress, one's appetite. So in there someplace, it gives you less appetite. The other is it keeps your metabolic rate, your BMR, basal metabolic rate, elevated. So you're actually, it's a fuel. So you're, you're running faster when you have C8. When you have ketones, I should say, when you're on when you're in ketosis, you're running faster. C8 helps you get into ketosis faster. There's an ad tagline for you. So that's the other thing. So one is you have less appetite. The other is you have an elevated metabolic rate that burns off more calories. That's a big deal. And so now we're just talking about C8's effect of doing that. So C10 would not do that, which is um, C10 is called caproic acid, and C12 is uh, lauric acid. Lauric acid is actually used in a lot of soaps. Here's another thing you probably didn't know about C8, and, and the reason I'm sort of being so basic with this, because C8 is here to stay on the keto in the keto scene, I and mean, it's such a fundamental part of the ketogenic diet that it's going to be something's going to be on your counter. Yeah, I hope it's our product, but whatever, it's 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 something that is just like you had olive oil before that now you're going to have there and you put a little bit in your coffee. You don't have to do your bulletproof coffee, but it's just a little bit that helps you stay in ketosis. And I think that's a big, big deal. They don't always need it. If you have your high fat, low carb, it's just a unique fat that doesn't go into storing fat. You know, it's a fuel fat. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I thought I would take a moment of your time to tell you about something that we've been working on for a long time. And that is our product of C8 Keto MCT Oil. How is it different and why would you even care about it? It's the highest purity you can find in the market, which is 99.7% caprylic acid triglyceride. And by the way, that's backed up by a certificate of analysis. It's not just me making up these numbers. But I think the bigger story behind our C8 MCT Oil is not only that it is the most efficient way for you to create ketones naturally, and that is all three ketones, your beta-hydroxybutyrate, your acetoacetate, and your acetone. That's important. But the other part is it supports sustainably harvested palm oil. Why would you care? Because all the other C8 oil products out there, not the MCT oils, but the C8 MCT oils, some people call them ketogenic oils out there, they come from palm oil. And palm farming, specifically 
palm kernel farming in Southeast Asia is decimating the rainforest there. Absolutely. You go on right now to Google or to YouTube and say palm oil Southeast Asia and you will be in tears at the end of 10 minutes when you see the destruction that's happening. This is not part of that. This is the exception. So it's called RSPO, Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. You have to apply for it. You have to be audited by them. And it's a long, rigorous process. And it took us two years to bring this product to market. I hope you care. And I know you'll care about the efficiency in which it helps you make ketones. By the way, we don't drink this like it's a fluid. We put a little bit in our coffee. We make our mayonnaise out of it. We make uh, various salad dressings out of it when we have a salad. It's basically a, I hate to say crutch, but it's my aid to keeping me in ketosis when I want to be in ketosis. It's fast. It's long lasting, certainly long, longer lasting than exogenous ketones and much more holistic, as I mentioned, with all three ketones. That's about as much as I want to say. I hope you look into it. I hope you uh, take your ketones readings on a regular basis as along with your glucose. If you do, then you really value this product. All the best, and I thought you should know. There's kind of two categories of fats, generally speaking. Saturated fats, especially the shorter, the medium chain triglycerides, are used as fuel. So they're burned. So think of it, that's your gas tank. But when you get into your longer chain fatty acids, and when you get into your, what they call polyunsaturated fatty acids, so when you hear about your omega-3s and your omega-6s, the fish oils, if you will, well, they are longer for one. They're 18, 20, and longer chains of, of uh, carbons. They also have one, they're polyunsaturated means they have at least two double bonds. Is that they're not used so much for fuel, they're used for structure. So they are in the structure of, uh, they are precursors for cholesterol. They also are in the structure of uh, your cells, all your cells. And so think of fats that are used for structure. As they get longer, they tend to be less flexible. And so think of them as a little bit rigid. As they're shorter, they are more fluid. And another thing is, if you would notice, that C8 stays liquid the whole time. And actually never, unless you freeze it, get cold enough and put it in your freezer. I actually haven't done that. Um, but it is liquid. So you keep it on your counter and it stays liquid for three years. That's the expiration date. So it's like, wow, it doesn't go rancid. The rancidity has to do with the number of bonds or the double bonds in particular. They have to break and that breaking is a rancidity. It's obviously breaking down of the fat. So since it's saturated, there's nothing for it to break down to. So it, take, it has a very long shelf life. So you have the fuel fats, which are saturated fats, especially the shorter facets, shorter saturated fats. And you have the longer fats, be they saturated fats or polyunsaturated fats. Or in the case of olive oil, which is a monounsaturated oleic acid, and you'll find oleic acid is also in cow's milk, and some oleic acid is also in coconut oil. So those are monounsaturates. They have their place. They're not saturated. So they tend to be solid at winter room temperatures if you're in the northeast or if you're in the north and um, liquid at warmer temperatures, whereas C8's liquid almost regardless of the room temperature. Okay, let's go on. So the other thing you'll notice when you're taking C8 is that your energy goes up. 
you know, I'm not just making this up. I'm trying to be as factual as possible right here. So why would your energy go up? I've just given you fueled burn. I didn't give you, you might say, well, you gave me food to eat. Everything's consumable, but this is food that is immediate fuel. So now your cells are surrounded by, you know, immediate fuel it can use. It comes into the mitochondria, which is in the cell, obviously, and that's what makes the energy. And if you remember when we talked back, got a lot into the mitochondria, we we're talking to Dr. Thomas Siegfried about the cancer and so on, but that's where the ketones are taken in and used as fuel. So, but it's immediate right there. It doesn't have to be broken down. So when you were to eat meat, a protein, or if you were to have butter, or if you were to have even a carbohydrate, they have to be broken down long before they can get to be fuel. So that's a lot of digestion. So C8 is basically, I'm going to call C8 triglycerides, C8 from now on. C8 is primarily baby food for your body. It's immediately usable. It's immediately converted into uh, ketones. And so some people that don't really understand much about the ketogenic diet, they just go, I hear that that oil is good stuff. They'll take it and they'll actually drink it. That would be tough. I'd be tough drinking any oil, not because it's C8, whether it's avocado oil or olive oil or whatever oil you can think of. It's just a lot of fat to be sitting in your stomach. And, and if you do that, you're probably going to get a little heartburn. So why are you getting heartburn? Well, fats are not broken down in your stomach. Your carbohydrates are for the most part. Fats start to be broken down at the top of your small intestine in the pylorus. So your lipases, things that break down lipids, lip, lipases are in the top of your small intestine. So what happens when you drink, this is, I'm telling you this because I hope you don't drink your C8 oil, okay? So when you drink oil, period, it sits in your stomach momentarily. Your stomach gets the wake-up call. There's something in your stomach. So it secretes acid, which is primarily to break down carbohydrates. And it has really very little in the way of protein breaking down ability, proteases. That's mostly in your small intestine as well. So consequently, you have the secretion of hypochloric acid, which is your digestive juices for your stomach, and yet it has nothing to digest. There's nothing there. So now you've added acid to this oil. So that's where you're going to get your heartburn. So it it basically has nothing to do with the oil, but the fact that you have oil in a large amount in your stomach. All those oils will drive the same reaction. You'll get heartburn from olive oil if you take too much, from avocado oil, from palm oil, from C8, from coconut oil. Okay? That's all the same. It's fat. And, the, and the, it stimulates the stomach to produce hypochloric acid. That's where the heartburn comes from. So no, you don't need to be on heartburn medications when you're taking C8. What you, that's why I think if you put this on food, it's a much better way to have it. So the rest of the food is absorbed or absorbs the hydrochloric acid because there's some carbs in meat, as you know, the, the glycogen that's within the meat. There's whatever you know, greens you may have, those are carbs, that, that will be absorbing. So that's how you remedy that. Here's another thing I wanted to mention about um, C8 as an oil, that it actually, when you, when you do have C8 on your salad as a dressing, however you want to do it, 
you know, as a mayo or straight uh, an oil and vinegar, but now you've used C8 as the oil part, that you will actually derive more nutrient value from that salad by having oil in your salad. It helps your digestive juices to pull out more nutrients from your salads by having the oil in it. So what's the difference? If you have with or without oil, with oil, you have more nutritious salad and the salad is still just the same salad. Okay. So we have that you now know that it increases your ketone levels. You know that it increases your energy. And one of the, some of the things you'll notice, and I've noticed this as well. I mean, I'm, I'm now in the process of actually making videos of C8 to put with our product. And so I went over our ketometer and it records all your, your ketone readings. And so I had ketone reading 6.9, I think over seven as well. And I don't take ketone readings much anymore. I did certainly initially like most of everybody does. But you can get pretty high ketone readings. And how would I do that? I would have that because it's in my coffee. That's pretty much taking it straight. I usually mix in a little collagen uh, with my coffee. It seems to be a nice automatic creamer in a way. I put it in my mayo, which already has C8 in it. But when I have a pretty much high fat or a a higher CA portion of the fats that I'm having and I haven't had anything else yet, that you can start to feel the ketones almost right away. And uh, here's the other thing that is a, a little bit off topic, but maybe not, is when people have alcohol, so you have beers, you have wines, and you have spirits, right? Well, they call beer liquid bread. I mean, there's a lot of carbs. And of course, you can choose high carb, low carb beer. That's kind of neither here nor there. You have wine that is sweet wine, meaning there's a lot of uh, sugar available in that. That's not the wine you'd want to have. And then you have dry wines and you have dry farm wines which basically sp specialize in 100% fermented. So there's no available sugar in that wine. And then you have spirits. So the effect of alcohol on your liver, what it does is that it's it stops the Supposedly, it stops the production of ketones, but I will find that if um, I've had maybe some coffee with with a C8 in it, or I've had some mayo, and I had mayo on a little meat, and I did have a drink, that your that alcohol can actually have, and there's not enough research on there, but there is some research that alcohol, and now I'm meaning more spirits, but alcohol is alcohol. Uh, spirits are probably the most effective, will make your ketones increase, which is kind of contrary to what most people believe. They believe that it stops the production of ketones, so like just arrests it, doesn't, it just parks that whole process. However, there's also research out there saying that it does go up. And so I've noticed that it does go up when I've had uh, a spirit or so. Not so much with wine. I haven't really done this great research and I haven't had a beer in years, so I would have no idea about that. But just notice that sometimes if you, you'll, you'll feel your ketones, because I've had a few people say, wow, I just had, you know, I took two tablespoons. That's the first thing that's kind of odd. And then they, they had a drink or something. And then I realized there's probably a problem with this person, but they will feel their ketones, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but if they're not aware of it, that, you know, they'll feel a little flush and they probably shouldn't do that. So there's that. Okay. You know why you know that it increases your energy. You know that it uh, helps control your appetite, which is a big deal. 
and increases your sense of, because it's a fat, increases your sense of satiation, especially if you do make something like a, a mayonnaise. And why I would advocate making mayonnaise, you know, we have a recipe which is by all means not unique. You know, all mayo is basically salt and vinegar and egg. And that's pretty much it. So what we do, we simply add some collagen to that. We add some avocado oil and we also add some C8 oil. We found if we add, you know, where is the C8 avocado mix line? If we did all C8, I don't think we'd have a very thick mayo. It would be, um, it would be runny. So we find that the avocado uh, makes it so it's probably 50-50. We have it more measured out and it's very specific. And we've done tests on this too, and it's kind of fun. But so we put mayo. That's our sort of fallback. Mayo is always in the freezer. Fridge, freezer. It's always in the refrigerator. We put it on whatever we're going to eat. And now Judy's gone. My wife has gone above and beyond. She now uses the mayo as a substance to add other things to, to make other creations. So she's made various kinds of bread. Uh, St. Patrick's Day has just passed. So she made a St. Patrick's Day bread, if everyone would think all about that. Um, but made it, basically it's a carbless bread. She's also made uh, crepes, uh, carbless crepes, carbless pancakes, and carbless wraps. So um, a lot you can do. And it all tastes great, by the way. So interesting. Now you start building on that. And then there's cheesecakes. And then there's all these other things you can go nuts with. But if you start with these with these ingredients, for one, is there's no additives, right? That's a big thing. So not having all the crap, those additives, you know, artificial sweeteners, all, you know, our sweetener that we use. I like stevia. She does not. She likes a little xylitol. And so uh, depending what she's making, she'll do a, a ratio of those two. That's about as far as we get into it. Certainly not big into the artificial sweeteners. Okay. By controlling your weight, it also, by controlling your appetite, it also helps you control your weight. And I'm just trying to had some notes to put down here as much as I like to speak extemporaneously. You really have to write down what you're going to say. Um, weight is a big deal. A lot of people, I, I would say most people who start keto, learning about keto is for weight control. And so this is key. I would definitely, if I were starting, I would definitely know as much as I can about uh, C8, caprylic acid, triglyceride, and hopefully you'll end up buying our product. Because we have, I believe we have the highest percent, which is 99.7. You can almost call it 100%. That's super high. We have no C6 in it. So that 0.03, I believe is C10. So the three-tenths of 1% is C10. The rest is C8, triglyceride. Um, the other thing, and actually I think the bigger issue is supporting sustainable harvesting of palm. And, um, that's a big deal for me having lived in Indonesia and this was just at the beginning of the palm demand It started with the, uh, for those of you who are old as I am in the seventies under president Carter, when you had the gas shortage, that's when all this started. What are the alternative sources? What are the biofuels out there that we can cultivate? And that's where all this got started, you know, and now it's gone nuts. And RSPO is, along with the World Wildlife Fund, are working together to making sure that the farms are certified, sustainable harvesting, which means proper use of 
uh, fertilizers and whatever pesticides they may or may not use. I don't know if they're 100% organic. I think they are for the most part. And uh, there's more to look into. Go back and listen to that podcast. I don't remember it all either. So I mentioned it improves nutrient absorption. That's a big deal. Oh, here's, um, here's a study. A study looked at premature infants who were found or given formulas containing various amounts of C8 uh, from 0 to 80%, and they found that those who had 80% C8 MCT oil uh, absorbed more calcium and magnesium. That's pretty interesting. And one of the, probably the most the most important thing where the ketogenic diet got started initially was about seizure control for pediatric epilepsy. And uh, you remember when I interviewed the Charlie Foundation and Beth uh, Zivakanya that there is actually five different kind of ketogenic diets for the children. So because it, it obviously has to be a high-fat, low-carb diet, because ketones are the things, they're not quite sure actually the mechanism of action for a ketogenic diet after 100 years. Still, it does a lot of things, but um, it's high fat. So what they did for for these epileptic uh, kids is that they gave them um, the high fat, the low carb, and they also gave them a vitamin pill because they didn't want to affect their growth in any way. But they really had to make sure they had enough fat in their diet. So then in the early 60s, is in the 1960s, there was experiments of why don't we increase and to see if we can have some of the fats that these kids have to have. Remember, they just wanted the ketones. And yes, there's nutritional aspects of all fats, of course. But what the reason they were on a high-fat diet was so that it would be creating ketones. So along came somebody saying, well, let's just use MCT oils, generally speaking, the C8s, C10s, and maybe even C12s. I doubt C6s, and mix that into their diet. And therefore, it was kind of like an assurance policy. They were more effective at creating ketones. So therefore, they could eat more normal foods like their friends, maybe more salad, maybe even more bread, perish the thought, maybe even more protein, so that they weren't that weird little kid sitting in a separate table in the cafeteria that had to eat his or hers ketogenic diet. So from that, there was five different diets that basically measure the ratio of carbs and proteins tied together to fats. So they go a four to one diet, you know, it's four times fats as there is to carbs and proteins. And then there's three to one and two to one and a one to one. So that's how they would measure it. And, you know, so they would have one is called a modified Atkins diet, which is more protein that, they'd have what they call, another approach has been what they call low glycemic. So you're using whatever carbs you're using, they would be like uh, leafy greens. They would be a slow converter to glucose, whereas white bread would be a fast converter to glucose. So they would do a low glycemic, a low converting diet to glucose. Okay. So that expanded from one diet to five different diets, basically to give these kids a break so they could have a slightly more normal diet. And it works for different kids. Right, some kids are up to, are obviously very seriously affected, so they need to be on the one that works. Those that are less seriously affected by epilepsy can vary a little bit, and they're they would like to be a little more normal when they go over to their friend's house and so on. So they move away to the most liberal would be the glycemic diet. However, 
not all kids do well in the low glycemic diet. So they have to be someplace back into the two to one or the three to one, or maybe even sometimes the four to one diet. So they'll find that out by trial and error. So it's a lot of work to work with kids that are fussy anyway, and to make sure they have their multiple vitamin in the background. Okay, so another thing but you didn't know, which is by taking something that is ketogenic, especially C8, it will lower your blood sugar. So when you start taking your blood ketone levels as you're experimenting, and hopefully you're doing a spreadsheet, and uh, hopefully you're, you're keeping track of this, maybe you're, you're on chronometer, which is a great place to put in your, all your data, and we'll track it for you if you put it in, that you'll see that as your ketones go up, your glucose will come down. So maybe your glucose was in you know, 101, 102. You started getting into the ketogenic diet. It drops down to the 90s, maybe even to the mid-80s. And your ketones then are, as an average, between 1, 2, 3, 4, in there someplace, between 1 and 4, more than likely. It'll probably average out about 2.5, which I think is a great average to have. I'm not telling you to have 2.5 as your ketone level because... Uh, Verda Health, which is a big company out there, a couple of years, three years ago, started a large study of over a thousand people. Uh, pretty much, they're all diabetics about re- reversing diabetes, and their average for a year of everybody in the study was 0.6 ketones. So they call that ketosis, but to me, that's barely ketosis. Be a little more ambitious than that and shoot for two and a half. Do you have to be in two and a half? Guess what? Nobody knows. I think you'll feel better. I think you'll function better. I think you'll sleep better. All those things. I think that uh, not crazy high. So when I mentioned I was in sixes and seven, that was interesting. Um, I don't need to be that high at all. Uh, two and a half is fine. You know, and, and uh, finding, charting the uh, combinations of your glucose readings is wonderful. You'll get an idea about your own metabolism. I know when I talk about this right now, you, it sounds like it's a nuisance to take this data but do you realize what a luxury it is to be able to have this little gizmo that you can do this at home in your kitchen or whatever and be able to chart out your metabolism in terms of uh, ketones and glucose? It's tremendously important. Uh, it's tremendously valuable. And you will start to be more and more educated on this. And therefore, you will avoid issues that for generations were plagued by diabetes and prediabetes, obesity even. This is huge. Ketogenic diet is huge for obesity. And this is for all these reasons we've already talked about. So you'll, we haven't gotten into Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or all these neurological issues, but you will obviously avoid those. Even if your genes say there's a predisposition like the APOE4, homozygous E4. Okay, so I didn't mention about performance. Um, Jeff Bullock and Steve Finney wrote a book, The Art and Science of Athletic Performance in the Ketogenic Diet. That's now about six or seven years old. Great read. But this basically allows, when you're running a marathon, for instance, burning fat as opposed to burning glucose, you don't bonk. You don't get exhausted. You have to convert, by the way. In other words, you have to be in ketosis and have been in ketosis for probably the better part of six months because it's an ongoing transition. It's not a one and done. So it's not a one and done like saying in three weeks you now can measure your ketones in your blood. Well, that's great. That's a start means you're producing it. Now your body has to learn to be efficient in using it. So it's an ongoing process. And they've noticed this. And the process you're shooting for is what they call metabolic flexibility. Can you pivot back and forth from sugar burning to fat burning? And the answer is yes, you can. And you get more and more efficient at doing that uh, the longer you are. 
Also, maybe reduce your, uh, reduce your risk of heart disease. That goes along with basically reducing your blood sugars and your prediabetes or diabetes, you know, bringing down your insulin because you brought down your glucose. You know, um, when people ask, how do I use C8 keto MCT oil or C8, now that I'm referencing that now, to lose fat, I wouldn't put my whole plan to lose fat or to lose weight on just one thing. And the answer to that is ketogenic diet, low carb, high fat. I find that C8 is just a very efficient fat to use. So therefore it's in the mix to me. I think it's very important to be in the mix. And if you listen to uh, Stephen Kinane, uh, he's, or just put his number in, uh, put his number, put his name into PubMed, you'll see all the work that he does about ketones and getting your ketones up for brain health. And he's talking about rescuing what they call MCI, mild cognitive impaired individuals, and even AD, Alzheimer's disease. And so you can improve because per his research, and he did these keto PET scans, that he sees that the use of ketones for your brain is a primary fuel. However, that way of going into your neurons, your brain cells, if you will, is based strictly on the percentage it is in the blood. So in other words, it's not about a particular receptor that needs to get triggered, and then therefore a ketone goes into the uh, particular cell. No, it's simply about the percentage of the concentration of ketones in the blood, in the, the blood in the brain. Whereas glucose is not that way. So ketones, he believes, is a primary fuel for the brain. So it should always be there. You were born in ketosis. Your, your mother's breast milk was high in MCT oil, specifically. C8, C10, and um, in other things as well, obviously. But you were born in ketosis, and we can get into why ketosis is so remarkable, but we tend to think that it's kind of part of a, a real core part of what they call the ancestral diet. There was times that we ate primarily fatty meat. We ate the organs primarily of animals. Secondarily, we ate the muscles of the animals, and we didn't have that much in the way of vegetables, maybe some primitive fruits back there, which were not all that high glycemic, high sugar. And um, an interesting story. And also we went times without without eating. And so therefore we had to burn fat. We had to burn our own fat. So therefore we were in ketosis. So this whole big image context of being in ketosis is very helpful for so many different situations. So I'm going to close this down right now and say that this was meant to be a pretty detailed podcast on C8 keto, a C8 triglyceride or simply C8, and why it's something I would believe that have it in the context of of all your things you're putting together. Never have it just straight. That's just not a very smart way of doing it. You know, have real food, but this is a great condiment to put on your food. And to have whole foods as much as possible is certainly my perspective. We don't do processed foods. Uh, but those are your choices, a different topic for a different day. So with that, I'll say goodbye and uh, keep your questions coming in. This is why I basically did this particular podcast. So there's so many little pieces of questions that came in about MCT oils in particular and um, C8 specifically. Okay, till next time. Thank you.